Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we're gonna, we're actually gonna go to a, so I have this internal debate. When I finally decided to travel internationally, I settled on Italy, and we had to go through the Frankfurt, Frankfurt being Germany, airport so technically Germany was the first country foreign country I'd ever gone through but it's the airport so the internal debate is do airports count Uh, because technically they are in foreign countries and I had to go through customs so I'm pretty certain that my very first passport stamp was Frankfurt, Germany. So, again, I guess the real question is, does airports count, especially since you get the stamp? But my ultimate destination, and to me, the first country, international country, I had the great opportunity to see was Italy. Now, just going to keep this real, guys, because that's just the best way to do it. (laughs) The politics in Italy is starting to get me a little nervous. And the fact that some people were corroborating Mussolini's birthday kind of recently kind of makes me a little nervous because, you know, as history buffs know, that, you know, Mussolini himself was a fascist and... It seems like the new prime minister, a woman whose name is eluding me right now, is very, very far-right conservative. Now, I don't normally get into politics and stuff of that nature, but, you know, Italy does have this history. So, it's just making me a little nervous. But before maybe anything happens, if you have the opportunity, Italy is the birthplace of the Renaissance. And the Renaissance is very essential. We're talking massive, wonderful artwork. We're talking paintings. We're talking sculpting. We're talking bronze doors. And Italy in itself is beautiful. And it's kind of funny because Northern Italy does have a striking resemblance to California. And I live in California. I've been to Italy twice, so I've seen it. The soft hills, the easy four season year, you know, temperatures and 
we, we do have a winter and, well, most of California does, a winter, a spring, a summer, a fall. And, again, it does have these wonderful treasures that cannot be ignored. And it should not be ignored. And that is also part of the beauty of going to foreign places, to different places, out of our known areas and our comfort zones. We learn, we get to explore, and we get to see wonderful things. So, you know, two years ago, I launched this podcast, and I said back then, there will be a vaccine, COVID will come to pass, and it's still happening, but the vaccines are here, and the airports are open, and things are happening. And people are hoping to kind of get things stabilized and get back to traveling, seeing the world, and seeing the beauty that's still out there. So let's talk about my first international vacation. Whether or not Frankfurt was my first international city and Germany was my first international country, Florence was my very first international vacation. Now, I had chosen Florence, I had actually chosen Italy, for a few different reasons. I, who doesn't want to go to Italy? I mean, who doesn't want to go to Italy? And it was very interesting. It was very interesting. And so let's talk about some of the wonderful things you can do. Whilst, you know, once you're able to travel or if you're already planning traveling, you know, and you're, you're actually going to Florence, Frienza, Frienza, as they say it, which I'm probably mispronouncing. So one of the first places that we went to was the Academia Museum. Now, being honest, it's a relatively small museum. And... It showcases one very essential. I mean, there are other statues, but there's one that truly has this magnificence to it. And I am, of course, referring to Michelangelo's David. The David is 17 feet tall. It stands up on its, you know, podium, its own little stage, if you will. It took Michelangelo approximately three years to carve. And, you know, that's the thing about art. That even I, I can create a lot of things and visualize a lot of things. But I promise you, I cannot look at a massive block of marble and say, hmm, I'm going to carve a really good naked man out of that. I just, that is not my jam. That is not, I, I don't have that talent. And Michelangelo himself was very versatile. The man was a sculptor. He painted the Sistine Chapel. And I've seen the Sistine Chapel, which, by the way, is in Rome, not in Florence. And it is magnificent. And again, to look at a canvas, to look at an arched ceiling and be like, I got this, but there's going to be a lot of naked people, 
but it's going to, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. And he did. He did. So the academia houses the David, which is a magnificent piece of carving art. But there are other, other statues that are, are very nice. I remember walking through, but it is a relatively small museum. There is no getting around that. Now, there are three ways to get to see the David. You can call them up and buy your tickets over the phone. You could buy your tickets online or you could book a tour. And in that tour, your ticket price be part of the price overall for the tour. Now, they do, of course, have rates for visitors, rates for locals, and then, you know, the rates for children. The full rate for one person is 22 euro, 22.50 euro, that is. And one thing you do want to be mindful of is, of, and, and this is obviously something for all international countries, including our own, not it's in for all countries, is the holiday schedules. So if you're planning on going, you want to project what days you think you might be there and make sure it's not on one of their holidays. But the museum is open from Tuesday to Sunday, 9 a.m. to 6.45. And generally speaking, every Monday, again, they're closed, but January 1st, May 1st, and Christmas, December 25th, the museum is closed. So make sure you buy your tickets ahead of time. And if you go online, you are given an opportunity to schedule the time of your arrival. So it's not an open book. You can just roll up anytime. You have to roll up at an appointed time that you purchased and check it out. I mean, there, like I said, there are other pieces of marble statues, but none as magnificent as the David. Now, the other memorable museum that is there is the Umfisi Palace and Gallery. Umfisi means office. And this museum features a massive collection of the Renaissance artists. So we're talking Sandro Bonicelli. We're talking Da Vinci. We're talking Raphael. We're talking Caraggio. And... It just, when I went there, I just remembered going up what felt like extra tall stairs. And after all my years of traveling, whenever something's a little extra for a short person, because I am short, I would say Italian steps, Irish hills, because it just kind of felt like there was a little extra for Vina, okay, <laughs> for the bunny. But... In the Umfizi, which is, I believe, at some point in time, belonged to the Medici family, Medici, Medici family, is the birth of Venus, which is a beautiful uh, uh, picture, painting. It's the one where the lady's naked and the wind is blowing and she's standing on, like, the, the, the seashell. And... You know, she's got a lot going on and she's trying to preserve her daintiness, her innocenceness. And there's a lot of crap going on around her. The other one, the other really good Bonacici, Bonacelli, Bonacelli 
The other Bonicelli picture is the Primavera. But believe it or not, the painting I remember the most was Rembrandt's self-portrait of an old man. And this was my very first Rembrandt. Well, I mean, well, obviously. But even here in America, I not ever seen a Rembrandt. It just, that one stuck with me. For as beautiful as The Birth of Venus is, it was the self-portrait of an old man that really kind of, kind of stuck with me but his portrait of a young man is also there and more importantly to some people Caravaggio's Medusa is there now I don't know if you guys have seen this and bear in mind the Medusa is actually on a a shield the canvas was mounted on a shield it is of Medusa the the lady with the snakes in her hair, and she turns people into stone. But you know what? And God bless him, but <laughs> he kind of looks like Johnny Depp. Medusa looks like Johnny Depp a little bit in Sleepy Hollow, which I love. I love that movie. I love Sleepy Hollow. I love the title, Sleepy Hollow. But if you look at it, Caravaggio kind of paints a young Johnny Depp Medusa, in my opinion. And that's the thing about art is very open to perception and interpretation but that's what it looks like to me so sorry johnny you're a very handsome guy but not in this medusa portrait okay so the academia the unfisi and in not to be remiss but they do have some leonardo da vinci's and other very historic paintings as well. Michelangelo's Holy Family's there. Raphael's self-portraits there. And just, again, all the greats from the Renaissance can be found at the Umphises. Umphisi. I was going to say hotel, but museum. Now, like the Academia, the Umphisi Museum has three ways to... To enter, you can buy a ticket online, you can call the ticket office, or you can buy into a tour that part of the payment for your ticket will be part of the price that you pay for the tour. Now, this museum is open Monday to Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and on Saturdays from 8.30 to 12.30, so only early morning. Close Sunday and close the other half of, of Saturdays. So a single ticket will be 12 euro. And that is something to point out. Italy works on the euro currency. A reduced ticket, which t- typically means people who are local, other Italians, $2. And free admission probably for children. Either way, this is one place I would definitely take the time to check out and explore if you're interested in the Renaissance, even if you're not. And to be able to say I've seen these masterpieces, and they are. Sandra Bonicelli's, I mean, that's pretty impressive. The Birth of Venus is a stunning piece of artwork. It's just, for some reason, Rembrandt's self-portrait of an old man was the one that stuck with me the most. But moving on, I had mentioned earlier regarding bronze doors. So let's talk for a second about that. The bronze doors was 
a masterpiece of Lorenzo Ghiberti. And what happened was there was this contest that Lorenzo was like, I can do this. And basically he was commissioned to create these bronze doors. But <laughs> it was kind of the story of the Old Testament, if you will. So the there, he has two sets, but this, the one that people generally refer to are on the doors of the Florentine Baptistry, which is opposite to the entrance of the cathedral, and the cathedral being the Duomo. And we'll get to the Duomo in a minute. But I remember being at the Duomo and this massive crowd just surrounding these doors. And again, there he had some help. I don't know if Michelangelo had help, but Lorenzo had some help. And the second set, just so you are aware, are actually located on the north side of the Florence Baptistry. Either way, these doors, these bronze doors, took 25 years to make. And like I said, there's 10 panels for each set. And, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in the presence of Michelangelo and knowing his magnificent capabilities. But after all the work that Lorenzo put into it, these bronze doors actually gets the nickname from Michelangelo, the Gates of Paradise. And it's kind of a nice nod and an acknowledgement to good work. So when we're in these places, we're literally walking around masterpieces. They made these with their hands, with tools. I mean, nowadays we have 3D printers to to see how smooth the David is and to know that that was smoothed out by raw hands is very impressive. And then to see these gold-covered doors that took 25 years to make. I mean, I, again, I, even though I'm not into religion, the fact that he was able to do this is pretty magnificent. So let's talk about what is considered to be the most important landmark in Florence, and I'm talking about the Duomo, the Florence Cathedral. And this is a remarkable building. You, you literally cannot miss it. It's not necessarily the tallest building, but it stands out. Now, I did not have the opportunity of, of, of going in, but I had the opportunity to walk around, which is why I did happen to see the brown, bronze doors. And at that time... This was the first time I actually tried gelato because there was a little gelato shop across the way. <sighs> so I don't know if it was the shop. I don't know if it was me, but I was not impressed with the gelato. Yes, I just said that out loud and on recorded lines. So, but again, you know, many different factors <laughs> when it comes to trying new things. I I I don't personally think anybody has the capital and you know there's a there's one company that makes the best ice cream. But the for some reason the gelato I tried just did not gel with Vina. Did not was was not my jam, as I tend to say. So again I did not go into the Dormo, but I did go into this magnificent cathedral 
on the other side of the Pont Vecchio, which is the bridge. There's this beautiful bridge that has been around for centuries, the Pont Vecchio. I don't know why I have problems with foreign words, but I do. And it was said, because, again, as history buffs know, that for both World War One and Two, the Italians were working with the Axis powers until they decided to start working with the Allies. Well, during World War Two, when they started working with the Allies, you know, that pissed fucking Hitler off, and Hitler had the opportunity to destroy this particular bridge, but because it was so beautiful, he spared it. Supposedly, supposedly. But today, it is considered an iconic place, and people love to go and look at the gold, because there's gold shops, and, I mean, other little shops, too, but dominantly speaking, there's a lot of gold on this particular bridge. So, I looked down the bridge, I did not cross the bridge, I did not go near the gold, the, the Italian gold, but... The cathedral that we did go into, and this was the first time, I I mean, I don't, I can't speak for all of America because I don't know, but in this cathedral, it was the first time I realized that people were buried in the grounds of the church. That was a foreign concept to me and it was very uncomfortable i'm stepping on people's graves for christ's sakes and it's like oh but you know no one else seemed to care (laughs) and the people had been there for quite some time but it was just one of those really eye-opening experiences that you get when you go to other places they have a different mentality and they have a different perspective of things and it's perfectly acceptable to be buried in the floor of a church in Europe. Because when I went to England, they did the same thing. And when I went to France, they did the same thing. So, but not my local church, guys. Not that I go to church anymore, but definitely not that I'm aware of. (laughs) Or there are any dead bodies in the floor. Either way. So, and that's the thing about... Italy, for for sure. When the Renaissance happened and, you know, there was this magnificent rebirth prior to that, the churches had a lot of control over things and a lot of money went into the churches. And so they made these churches just stunningly gorgeous. And you walk into any cathedral, especially in Italy, you're guaranteed to be oohed and awed by the artistic work. And just how they did it seriously i can't paint anything even if i tried and the talent behind this even in the church paintings is pretty pretty ah awing to make up a word okay so definitely check out the dormo check out the cathedral check out these bronze doors that have literally been around for hundreds of years. Check out the Umphises, check out the Academia. And, you know, I did try the gelato, 
And even though I didn't like that one, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the gelato was bad. It just wasn't my jam, and that's how it was. But if you are interested, and because this is a travel paranormal podcast, I did want to mention one haunted hotel in Florence. I am speaking of the Hotel Barchianti. Chianti, like the wine, or Bricianti. <laughs> so here's the deal. Back in the 1930s, I've already mentioned this fucker's name, but Mussolini, Benito Mussolini, used to hang out at this particular hotel. And it is said that perhaps he's still hanging out. They say that in the early hours in the morning, you can catch the spectral of a cleaning lady who has long since moved on. They have said that there is a old lady who is still knitting in the afterlife in the lobby chair. People have seen her. People have claimed to have seen and heard children running around the halls. But if you want a haunted room, very specific haunted room, you want to ask for the fresco room. In this room, it is said that you can feel the presence of something in the room. And people have reported the sensation of feeling like they're being watched. And whatever is there with them and watching them tends to have what they call an icy breath. And it is said that Mussolini himself used to hang out in this room, had spent time in this room, so it's possibly it's him. But people have also reported seeing... A pink man. So, you know, you're just not alone in this particular hotel. And, you know, it's very curious because, in general, it took me a while to find a haunted places in Italy. And they're very, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a cultural thing and they don't really have that belief or what have you. Now, one of the things I did end up doing, I've been to Italy twice. Both times I did this, I went to Pisa. And I must have gone to Pisa or entered Pisa two separate ways. The first time it was by tour. And that was the thing about going to a, a foreign country and kind of not knowing where everything is or anything is. We did tend to take and rely on tours. Now, here's the thing, guys. They charge you, obviously, for their services, but it's like, and this is the best example I can give you. The Mouth of Truth, which is located in Rome, Rome, not Florence, but the Mouth of Truth is free. And when I went to Rome the second time, that's the first time I saw it. I missed it. I walked by it. I didn't even know it was there the first time. But the second time, I found it. I have a great picture with my son with it. But it's free to see. And while we were there, two buses of, I believe they were Chinese tour, tour buses. And it, chances are those tours, the people on the tours were charged for something that they saw for free. And that's my point. And it, does it help to have someone drive you around? Absolutely. Does it help to have someone explain to you something of great importance in your language? Absolutely. But doing a little extra research can actually save you money. But getting back to Pisa, 
when we went to Pisa, we did the tour the first time. The second time, I took a, I took a train. And we came in in a different way. The first time I went to Pisa, it was very nice and t- very packed with people. The second time, we got there early, relatively early in the morning. And, you know, <laughs> I was with my young son, and we'd gone. We were in Rome at the time. And so we got to the train station relatively early. And it was not the most comfortable, you know, because it wasn't packed with people. It's a double-edged sword. And we went across the street to the McDonald's and, you know, you just you just get this feeling something else is going on here. You just want to eat cause it's, and you want to just kind of sit somewhere warm and you're just waiting for your train. And so we got there relatively early, which was great because I did not buy tickets to go to the top. Because at that time, I wasn't sure if my son wanted to go. And I had not been to the top. So, as it was, he wanted to go. And I went to go buy him a ticket. They were like, he can't go by himself. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So, I ended up buying a ticket. I ended up going up the 297 steps for the Leaning Tower of Pisa. That's my number, folks. And it, it does lean. It's a real thing. It, it leans, just so people know this, because... The ground has a lot of water in it, a lot of sea water. And the tower is kind of heavy, so it leans on one side because it's kind of heavy. And the ground, it turns it turns out, is waterlogged. So, either way, the most ironic part is when I went to look at the pictures of my son and I, I was literally wearing the shirt that I was wearing in the picture of us being on the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And it's the same shirt I'm wearing right now as I'm recording. Anywho, just a side little little note. It was a good trip. I remember the first time we ate at a restaurant relatively close to the Leaning Tower of Pizza. The food was pretty decent. And you can kind of see the sea in the distance from the restaurant. So it was all right. It was a little crowded, yes. The second time we went to the top... We poked around a little bit, and then we got our train, and we came back to Rome. Now, here's the other thing, and this is, <laughs> I'm just going to share this funny little story with you. The first time I went to Italy, and Florence was our very first stop, I figured, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> we'll just buy tickets. We'll buy train tickets from Florence to Rome, no problem. We get to the train station to buy these tickets. And the ticket seller, I was like, hey, I'd like two tickets to Rome tomorrow. And he's like, no sell. And I was like, what do you mean, no sell? And he's like, no sell, strike. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? And it dawned on me that he was telling me that the workers for the railroad train station was going to go on strike the next day. And apparently, I don't know if they still do this, but apparently if the Italians don't want to work, they just say strike and they go home or stay home and no worky. And I was like, whoa, 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 no strikey. I need a train ticket for Rome tomorrow. And he's like, no sell, no sell, strike, strike. And I was like, shit, because I had no other alternative to get from Florence to Rome. And we're going to check out our hotel the next day. 
And so speaking of our hotel in Florence, it was kind of in a residential area. And the thing is, and this is the part that kind of kills me. So it was like on the top floor, the hotel of in the building with other people's apartments in it. I mean, that was striking to me. To me, a hotel is a hotel is a hotel. It's not mixed in with actual residents, but our hotel in Florence was. And it killed me because the room was much smaller than I anticipated, and there was no carpet. It was like a marble, and I wasn't expecting that. And it was very interesting, but the part that kills me the most, okay, guys, the bathroom. The bathroom was relatively narrow. But you open the door, and there was the sink immediately to your left. And then you took a step up into the shower. And then you took a step down to the toilet. So you had to go through the shower to get to the toilet. And, I mean, that was where the window was. So, yes. But it was just this funny thing. I'd never been to a hotel where the shower was in between the sink and the toilet it just was it's just not a thing and the really cool thing was despite all these you know, newness to me it had a little balcony and the the days that we were there I would stand out in the morning in the little balcony and I would just look out of all of Florence watch the birds see the the, the sun starting to cascade across the rooftops of of Italy and funny thought, do the birds speak Italian? <laughs> they probably do. So if you get the opportunity, and Florence is not that very big. And one of my big mistakes, I and I look back now, again, I felt like we did rely a lot on the tourist uh, guides and tours. But I kind of, in hindsight, would have think that next time, I should be more familiar with the layout and kind of be a little bit more familiar of where things are, especially in retrospect, to where everything is. So if ever you decide to check out Florence, and I do recommend it, like I said, it is just beautiful. And it has all these wonderful Renaissance pieces that have lasted the test of time. We're talking. The David is over 500 years old, guys. That's pretty impressive. If you do, one of the things I do recommend is checking out Google Maps. Look where you're going. Look how alternatives you can get there. Maybe not rely so much on tours. And, you know, walk. Walk everywhere. Maybe I should have checked out that bridge and bought a little bit of Italian gold. But, uh, you know, maybe that's something to think about the next time. All right. So that's it. That is Florence Forenzi. Or <laughs> however the Italians say it, and the Renaissances. Okay, on to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. If you're curious or interested, would like to join. Send us requests. If you have a place that you would like us to look into or do a little research, send us an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. But until next time, please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we. Hope to meet you where the dark corners are.